You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined on Blogging Heads TV. I'm your host, Arya Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Joanna Mang. Uh, Joanna, could you introduce yourself? I'm Joanna, and um, I'm a part-time English professor at a community college. I'm a full-time, almost stay-at-home mom, and I sometimes write a little bit. <laughs> I'm kind of just getting started, I guess, sort of part-time freelancing. It's like very, very new for me. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to talk about a piece that you wrote, uh, I think it went up yesterday, um, mm -hmm. at The Outline. Um, the headline is Shakespeare's Unraveling and the Not-So-Golden Age of Blogging. Um, and the subhead is everyone loves to remember how blogs are so much better than social media, but the truth is a bit more complicated. Uh, and I, I like this piece a lot. And it, yeah, I, as we were saying before the recording, in some ways it, was, it kind of was like a time capsule to a different era, even though it was only about 10 to 15 years ago. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a fun piece. So, okay. So what, what is Shakespeare or what was Shakespeare? Because it's, it's kind of over now. Well, it was a, a feminist blog that started in 2004. Um, a woman named Melissa McEwen started it. Uh, it was originally called Shakespeare's Sister, which is a reference to a Morrissey song. And the Morrissey song was a reference to, um, the essay, A Room of One's Own by Virginia Woolf. Right. It's just sort of this idea that, um, you know, women didn't have, um, the privacy, uh, and freedom to be creatives and intellectuals. And so she has this idea that if Shakespeare had a sister named, you know, she gives her the name Judith, uh, what would have happened to her? And she imagines like, um, like if she was his equal in talent, but just not opportunity. Uh -huh. And, you know, she would have ended up, you know, pregnant and killed herself, which is like very Virginia Woolf. But also, I mean, I'm a big lover of, um, you know, Thomas Hardy in 19th century, um, tragic woman, uh, novels. So, um, I think, you know, why not? That's probably true. Um, <laughs> and so the, the idea of the blog was giving a voice to women and it was always had sort of, I don't think I put this in the piece, but it's sort of, um, like a queer pop culture sensibility. Um, they're most of the male contributors and mods, well, I'd say at least half were, were gay and um, the blog was Melissa gets accused of being a turf and I'm not really sure why, because I feel like the blog was pretty trans friendly. I mean, it was one of the first places where I ever heard of the concept of transgenderism. Uh -huh. So she it was started as a little group blog and it kind of got sort of popular, never huge, never big like HuffPo or Daily Co's or anything, but it was in that network where if you were blogging and you were progressive around that time, you were kind of clicking around to all of those places. And that was a place where for someone like me who was in my early twenties got introduced to uh, feminism and the idea of patriarchy, you know, these really basic concepts that we now take for granted that Melissa was one of the first people who was, online talking about that stuff and really unashamed about it, um, never apologizing ever. And that was eventually what kind of started to get her in trouble. Right. So, so what, so her background, as you know, the piece was, she was like working in, in marketing or something when, and started the blog, like as many people did 15 years ago not, as a hobby or something. And I'm not super clear on what she did for a living. I contacted her to ask and she didn't get back to me. Um, but yeah, something with marketing, but she quit pretty soon. Um, working or 
maybe maybe she lost her job and then just didn't get another one. She decided to start blogging full time. Um, right. And, you know, uh, probably, you know, people who are watching well, this probably remember the early days of the blogosphere. I mean, this this website is a product of the early days of the blogosphere, having um, been started in 2005 and still has the word blog in its title, despite the fact yeah. that there aren't a lot of blogs around anymore. Uh, but for a reason, maybe we can talk about. They're different. I mean, blogs are different now, you know, they're, and the way that they, what they're supposed to do is different. Um, like, um, lifestyle blogging and mom blogging is still really big, but what you'll, you'll have a mom or a, a lifestyle influencer, like in her thirties, you know, who has, and, um, they'll have a, a presence on a blog, but then it always is linking to Instagram and Facebook. And then all of the commenting is happening on Instagram and Facebook. The commenting, the, the, they're not building the community on the blog platform. They're building it on social media. And so in there are niches where that exists. Although like, you know, if you're not a 35 year old woman with two kids, you would never have heard of these women, but like in their own spheres, they're, they're famous, you know, in that way. Um, life, you know, lifestyle influencers, that sort of thing. I mean, a lot of these women have blogs. They just, you're not, they have all of that web 2.0 stuff with the, you know, the comment threads and the forum feeling of we all share a philosophy and here we are all commenting together. Mm -hmm. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah. And, um, I think, well, so like what is, you know, what has changed since like the early days? of blogging versus now, uh, yeah, where it's more like probably a few people call themselves a blogger. Now they'd be like an influencer or YouTuber or, mm -hmm. or something like that, or a TikToker. Um, you know, I think like, you know, there are people who came up with no, um, institutional backing or background really, and started writing because they, and they gained an audience. Um, so I, I guess I don't really know what, um, what causes, um, you know, Marcos Melitzis's background was, it's probably in tech. Um, but yeah, I know. so you had, you know, I think it's someone like Ezra Klein, like I, he was like 23 or something when he, when he started a blog and right. now is, you know, um, head of a multimedia empire. And so, so there are people who kind of, um, and then there's someone like Andrew Sullivan who was an establishment figure, you know, he was the editor of the New Republic and wrote for all sorts of magazines. And then he was a, political blogging pioneer and made that his like main thing for a decade and a half. But, um, I was thinking like, you know, so you have people like, I mean, I know the political news area best, um, you know, like Klein or Matt Iglesias who started out as young bloggers and now have these establishment perches in this establishment that they like made themselves. And then there's well, a lot of, a lot of people who just kind of, sorry, go if you're a dude and a technocrat, I mean, like that's you know your your path is laying for you. Like right. you oh, yeah. him at the Washington Post, you'll you know you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Yeah. He he wasn't like ruffling the feathers of the establishment to um you know uh, march his way uh, up it and but and then you also have a lot of people who just kind of faded away um, because uh, it turned out you can't really make a living <laughs> doing this and. Right. And well, and a lot of us were just casual. I mean, I was a very casual blogger. It was just a way to um, get my thoughts on paper, a way as a, a writing exercise, a way to meet people and talk about things that my friends didn't want to talk about. Um, it, it was a place to post pictures of myself, you know, like all of that stuff that if I had had Instagram at the time, I probably would have just done that. Yeah. Um, made long, you know, when I, after I stopped blogging, I would post these long notes on Facebook. Remember Facebook notes? I mean, people are still doing that, I guess, but 
I guess now you just can just make a really long post before you right, had to make a right. note. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and now I'm doing this. Now I'm you know writing three thousand words on an old blog because I just can't stop. Like this is something. It's you know when I'm interested in dumb crap, I you know it's fun to it's fun to share it with others. And sometimes you hit on something that other people are interested in too. Yeah, and um, I, I saw lots of people uh, sharing your piece and remarking on it favorably. So I think you, you've um, for honestly seriously surprised because like. Who cares? I think it's great because I care about, you know, old internet weird, like, you know, but, um, shock that other people are interested in that. But that's, that's wonderful. No, I think, I think you, you, t- you've touched a nerve because, you know, this, this world has kind of vanished, but there's a lot of people around who either came up in it or had some, um, you know, contact with it. And then, uh, you know, they feel, yeah, and they, there is kind of a, um, sense that the the current social media world is as you know in the piece it's like you know like four corporations own everything an algorithm decides what you see um you know you you feel like bad you know if you feel like you're getting punched in the face every day when you're when you're logging in because you're seeing something awful and then this and then there's like this nostalgia for like the kinder gentler world of the blogs and the comment sections but then you're writing like oh it wasn't it wasn't as good as it seems. So what were, okay, what, what were some of the things that like were early on kind of like a little, maybe not so great about, about this particular, uh, community? Sometime in around 2008, um, Melissa and her mods started getting really frustrated when people would disagree with them. And I'm not talking about trolls who were just there to be inflammatory and irritate you. Um, I'm talking about people in the community who fund agreed with Melissa on fundamentals, but would have some sort of like quibble. Um, this happened a lot with things like legal matters. Like she'd write about something, uh, some sort of lawsuit or something. And then um, somebody would jump in and say, oh, you know, I'm a lawyer or I'm a paralegal and this isn't quite how it works. It's this, you know, really minor stuff. Um, and she would always double down, you know, you know, I don't appreciate you coming in here, you know, or make some sarcastic remark. One of the mods would jump in and be like, Oh, thanks for splaining. Splaining is the Shakespeare term for, I guess what it's not really mansplaining because it's not gendered. It's more like it's, but it's the same idea of like, thanks for like coming in here and talking down to me and saying things I already know, mm-hmm. but if they didn't already know it and nobody should be expected to. Um, if you're not a lawyer, you don't know all this stuff. And ideally somebody who is an expert and that happened a lot with experts, you know, whether it's medical, like a nurse saying, you know, Oh, it's not really like this. Um, they sort of, because I think they got trolled so much, they ended up um, cracking down on everybody, including people who agreed with them. And it scared a lot of people off. I mean, it scared me off. I was like, I don't want to, cause I contributed there sort of fun stuff, um, you know, jokes. And I you know, was trying to just, have fun. And I was also one of the younger people there. So I think that was sort of my shtick. It was like, you know, I'm young and cute. And here's a poem <laughs> I like, like, here's a joke about Rumsfeld, you know? Um, and I, it got so, it started to get so serious with how all of the rules that you had to follow in order to be accepted as a progressive person. And I think that's one of the reasons, I mean, it's one of the reasons why people, and I mentioned this in the piece, why people love to make fun of her or if they if you if you were to happen upon the blog today and click through the the thing that would be entertaining is 
it's fun to make fun of somebody like that who takes themselves that seriously yeah. and is that sort of like PC, like social justice warrior thing. And I don't like, I mean, I think the term politically correct is sort of insane. Anyway, it doesn't really mean anything to me because um, everyone has their personal taboos. Like if I, you know, the people who complain about PC, if I said to something to them about like, you know, I don't know if I, Jesus looks hot. I'd love to fuck him. You know, like that's what like, you know, it'd be like, you can't say that you're fired. You know, like there's, everybody has their things you're not supposed to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Certain people like to pretend like it's only the other groups that have all of the rules. Um, And so that's an insane thing. And then social justice warrior is an absurd term because um, like social justice is something that, like, as my brother put it, he's like, what kind of social justice should a person not be a warrior for? Like, tell me, tell me that. And the thing is, this SJW thing, this is just, we're talking about people who are typing on computers. Like, I don't see a lot of real world activism from a lot of people who talk a lot of shit online. And that's fine. I love online. I, I'm not expecting that of people. But at the same time, like, you know, Melissa called herself an activist. And I'm not entirely sure whether I think blogging is activism. I think maybe it can be. Um, but a lot of these people are just typing things. And I was like that for a really long time. And it took me until Trump was elected. Um, and I completely freaked out as many of us did because I felt like naively, I felt like a bubble had been popped for me that as, do you know who A.R. Moxon is? He's Julius Goat on Twitter. No. Um, he's amazing. Um, he is the best anti-fascist writer I've ever read since like maybe start. Um, and he, he just has a way of distilling things. And he wrote this really long blog essay called bubbles. It's like, I can, I'll send it to you. It's like, we'll 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 include the link below the video. It's a series of like 13 blog posts. (laughs) They're really, it takes forever to read, including like this long digression about Pulp Fiction, which is also amazing. Um, anyway, he's like, he talks about your, you know, the, the liberal bubble being burst when Trump was elected, which was that, um, it makes you, it should make you reexamine the way we treat other people and our own personal, um, tendency to see other people as not entirely real. And that's something that everybody does. And I think it's also easy to believe that the things that you, if you have good thoughts, um, and if you have good, if you vote, then you are doing everything that you can. And that just isn't true. Um, you need to be in the real world helping people, doing things for people. And so that, that, that changed a lot of things for me. I started getting politically active. I went back to church. Um, I started volunteering at church. Um, my husband and I adopted a Syrian refugee family. Like I, we went like full, not like crazy. Like I don't do that shit all day. You know, I'm still very selfish and I buy lipstick and I, you know, lay on my couch and watch Netflix. It's just <laughs> that like, I realized that I wasn't really doing much of anything. And I, don't see in places like Shakespeare and on places on Twitter, I don't see a lot of actual activism. I see a lot of talking. And like I say, talking is great. I'm a big talker. Um, but that was something I started to think about. One of the things I want that I one of the reasons I wanted to write this piece um, is that, you know, blogs, it's just a lot of shit talking, you know, Um and like I say, I love it, but it's important to just see things how they are. And the thing about Melissa is she never thought it was a lot of shit talking. And I am so fascinated by people who believe so deeply in what they're doing 
Um, because I'm not like that. I think I'm a little bit more almost like lazy. I'm I'm not type A, you know, I don't have like, I'm not a goals oriented person. You know, people ask, I always ask you like, you know, what are your goals for this year? Like my <laughs> fitness instructors are always like, what are your fitness goals? I'm like, I don't do goals. I just kind of like, I have an idea and maybe I do it. And then if I don't, I don't, I'm just, and that's why I'm not like a successful person, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's a personality type, but, but Melissa is. Um, she believes deeply in what she was doing and she writes, would write these long manifesto blog posts about here are all my beliefs and here is why I am out here spreading this message and I am the only person doing this and this is what I am giving you. Why don't you appreciate it? Um, that is really interesting to me because I don't think I've ever thought that much about myself before. Um, and I don't want it to be like a condemnation of her. Although some of it is funny, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing. I just, I think it's fascinating that some people believe so much in something that they're doing that a lot of people just don't appreciate. And I think that a lot of, some of her loyalists have this sense that like she'll, she's sort of a, an entry in the annals of history and that one day maybe, maybe she's ahead of her time and one day she'll be appreciated for everything she did. I mean, she has that kind of, kind of praise if you look at the comments like people think that she is a hero um a small group of people think she is a hero uh -huh. and I think that's really interesting that you have this little group of people do you ever think about that like there are these little groups of people in the world who in their little community they think that what they're doing is changing the world but nobody else really notices <laughs> <laughs> and, and some things kind of have leaked out of shakespeare like she was one of the first people online doing the, like, um, talking about rape culture. That was the first place I ever heard rape culture. I'm not saying she invented the idea. I'm saying, like, she was talking about it so much that there are, there are people who I talked to for this piece. I have many people tell me, like, that was the first place I ever heard of rape culture or about, like, street harassment, that women experience this phenomenon. Um and so there's there's little leaks, but most people just don't care and nobody knows who she is. But in that little world, they think that she is doing the most important thing. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. So there's a lot in, in what you just said. And uh, there's multiple strands we could pursue. I think um, let, let's so let's uh, put a pin in the like kind of um, cult of personality aspect of of the organization and just get back to this idea that like. What, yeah, so what, 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 what people are doing online, a lot of people feel like what they're doing online really, really matters. And you see this on Twitter, where there, I've said this before on the show, there's people who show up on, log into Twitter every day, and they're like, I'm going to war. And <laughs> I'm fighting the good fight, the holy battle on behalf of my side, and I'm gonna vanquish, well, have, vanquish all the folks. I have, I have a little quote from, uh, uh, one of her, one of her followers. Um, that didn't make it into the piece, but the, uh, the, what I, who I call the true believers, the people who, when the mods would call them out for misusing a term, like if they said something is lame, you know, that's ableist, or if they oh, said, oh. um, commenting on someone's appearance, which was almost always verboten, you're not allowed to do that, um, or, um, you know, body policing or food policing or any of those things, um, uh, there were people who got turned off and left or would fight back, but then there were most people would just thank the mods. Thank you for pointing that out to me. You know, I never thought about that before and I will correct myself. I really appreciate it. 
Um, there's a commenter who went by Indie Goddess, uh, told Melissa, you are fighting an invisible war and you have my sword. Um, and this is the, that's the, the stereotype of the keyboard warrior, right? Like, but I, what's so interesting to me is like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what war? Are you talking about arguing online? Because in the comments at Shakespeare, the arguments are seen as a bad thing. So there's not really a lot of discussion going on. So what, what is, what do they see her as doing in the world? Is it just the posting? Like, is posting a war? Like it's, but it's so easy to get into that mindset. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, uh, psychology of tribalism and us versus them and stuff. I remember there was one time a, a year or two ago, I, somehow I got into it. Usually I don't actually like get into back and forths on Twitter because it's such a waste of time. Um, but I got into it with some guy who had a smallish following. He had very unusual, I don't remember what his name was. He had very unusual, um, facial hair, like, uh, like one of those like curly Q mustaches and like just a little like patch here. And then I said something that he really didn't like and he was like, I'm putting you on blast. And then he like, like did a tweet where he was like, look at this, you know, look at this guy. Like, I think we need to tell him like what's for or something like that. And there was not like, I did not get anything. Um, <laughs> so in his world, he's like, I'm going to put this guy on blast. And then like, I'm going to fuck up his day. But there was no, no one like he was leading, he was leading the charge and no one was behind him. But in his, in his um, mind, it was like, yeah, this was some like momentous occasion that was about to, Unfurl. So, so that's yeah. There's people out there like that, and I think Twitter encourages that kind of wackadoo thinking. Uh, apologies for the ableist ableist comment there. Um, and yeah, it's just like you you think um, you know you're getting you're getting the little like hit of serotonin or dopamine or whatever when you get the like or the retweet, and then you're like, yeah, I gotta like keep on keep it keep on fighting. And then I I, I mean I think the a comment section is. Like can be a, a healthier uh, place than Twitter because you have more characters. You can include some nuance. There's more of a stable community. Um, and then also there are no, I mean, discus like the the commenting platform later included upvotes. But when blogging was like when you were on a blogger blog, you couldn't like or upvote comments. They mm-hmm. just kind of went. And so you could still have a flame war. You could still know who most people supported because of their comments. But it wasn't like you're just posting something, getting get out, and then you're going to just watch your count go up like on Reddit to see whether you've won or lost. Um, that didn't happen there. So you had to keep kind of fighting about it. And you could still get really, really mad. Somebody tweeted at when um brandy posted when brandy tweeted the link to the article that like you know in blogging days like you'd have another person that was in the forum you were in and you just fucking hated that guy <laughs> and you'd never forget him and i'm like oh yeah like i remember people i hated on red from reddit from like 10 years ago like lawyer lady i hate her you know like <laughs> um yeah and, you know so but, it's, was- but what's interesting about like the the uh, shakesville as you describe it it's like very it seems very ideologically um, like in line with each other. I mean, you have this really funny part that I'll just quote briefly about um, the the advice that was given to people before they became a commenter. Uh, so this is quote your piece. Below each post, a notice stated that one must read the commenting policy and all of a post titled Feminism 101 before commenting. By my count, the commenting policy is 15,000 words long, 
including linked Shakespeare posts. Feminism 101 is roughly a 22,000-word annotated bibliography of 182 posts dating from 2006 to 2012. In total, new commenters were asked to read approximately 205,000 words about the equivalent of Moby Dick before typing a single sentence at Shakespeare. So, yeah, so they, there's a certain type, you had to follow the rules, and there were a lot of, a lot of rules and a lot of instruction backing up those rules. Like, when you go into Feminism 101, you click on one of the posts, and then you read it, so that the, the post has a description, and then you're supposed to read that, and then you're supposed to click on the post and read the post itself. But then the post, in the post, there will be links that link internally to Shakespeare. So they link to other Shakespeare posts. So you could easily just get, like, tangled in a web of Shakespeare posts, never you never you would never be able to comment because you just keep reading the the idea really is you should read this entire blog from 2004 to the present day in order to fully understand and the idea is Melissa trafficked a lot in the ideas of good faith and bad faith and her concept of good faith was always assuming the best of her and if you impugn if you assign any like if you assigned any motivation to her that wasn't flattering to her, that was bad faith. And that is not what bad faith means. Bad faith in argumentation means you don't actually want to have an argument. You just want to, you know, throw a bomb or an apple of discord into a situation and then, you know, watch the mayhem. Uh, you're not you don't honestly want to learn anything. You just want to play around. Um, and there know, are plenty of people like that. Sartre said, you know, the anti-Semite doesn't value words because words are just sort of toys to him. You know, he doesn't he doesn't really it's not about hating Jews to an anti-Semite. It is. But it's also about um, fucking with you and and holding and and relishing the idea that they not seeing other people as full human beings drives other people crazy um, or upsets them in some way. And that's a way of, um, of appearing strong. And in a way, that's kind of what, you know, what Melissa did and what other people who become sort of like when they, they sort of claw their way to the top of a, you know, internet mountain is like, I don't have to compromise anymore. You know, I am what, you know, the, what Sartre called the, the, the rock or the stone. Like I have the impenetrability of the stone. I don't have to learn anymore. Um, information comes to me and I can bat it away or I can accept it. And if I do, I'm incorporating it into a belief system of mine that was already established and already good. And to, to Melissa, bad faith is just assuming that she didn't already know that or assuming that she or saying anything unflattering um, about her. And the thing is, that's really an easy trap to get into when you have even moderate online popularity <laughs> or moderate popularity in, in the world, any kind of power. When you, when you get into a situation where you have a little bit of power, it is really easy to stop learning and to brook no dissent. And I don't want to make the, I didn't want to make the article about here's what this one lady did because she's crazy and annoying. Um, I know some people will read it that way, but that wasn't my intention. I wanted it to be about who do we make a target out of? You know, she is a target. She's an easy target. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Like, it's funny to laugh at certain people, but people are more complicated than that. She's not a bad person. She's somebody who has a a strong sense of self-importance. But, you know, 
there are quite a few people who have a very strong sense of self-importance and who don't want to change and who want to be a stone. And that's not something that is, it doesn't make her a bad person. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So we're kind of, yeah. So we're kind of in the cult of personality aspect of this. And yeah. well, how many, how many people do you think were like active members, you know, kind of on average? It's um, so hard to tell because, um, a lot of people were afraid to comment and a lot of people just didn't comment. Like I have a friend who, um, she has been giving Melissa $10 a month to her, you know, um, well before she didn't have, she only started a Patreon recently, but like donating $10 a month as a subscription for years, but she never comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are sort of a silent supporter network of people who just read. So it's really hard to tell. I mean, she, and also her claims about how many hits the blog got are confusing because like maybe in 2014, I read a comment where she said, Oh, this blog gets 14,000 hits a day. But I'm like, are those unique page views or is it that just like, if I refresh the page five times, is that five hits? Or if I revisit it the same several times in the same day, that doesn't, that's not the same thing as unique page views. Right. That's the, I mean, if I'm an advertiser, I'm not basing my, my ad buy on that number. I want to base Yeah, I mean, number. originally, like, in the early web, it was like, oh, you know, page views, hits, how many do you get? And then it was like, okay, that's very easily gained. Like, you can set up a robot to reload every five minutes. So then, I, I mean, at this point, it's uh, uh, unique visitors is kind of the metric that unique advertisers visitors, look, yes. look for. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. like actual, so actual really humans. Those numbers she's using mean anyway. So I, to answer your question, I have no idea. Okay. Do you think it's like so, a couple, a couple, so for the community that would call themselves, would they call themselves spoonies or what, what is the self identified? Okay. Shakers. Uh, but the spoon, uh, a teaspoon was, was involved somehow. Cause that's the icon that's, that's on the, uh, the image, uh, on the outline. There's the idea of spoon, like spoon, what do you call it? Theory is like a disdain in, like in disabled, like thought, there's this idea that like, okay, so you have, you know, like you have teaspoons and they're on a little ring or like a, a measuring spoons. Mm-hmm. You only have a certain number amount of energy. If you're disabled, you only have a certain amount of energy in a day you can devote to certain things. So you like you, you're using your spoons to like measure out, I don't know how much you can do. And then there's this idea of like, I don't have the spoons to deal with that. Like I just let it go. So I think that she kind of adopted it from that. Uh-huh. So that's kind yeah, of, sounds like emotional labor a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, but also physical, because if you're disabled, it's like, I literally am exhausted yeah. and I can't do that. Um, so she took this idea of like, I have a teaspoon and I'm trying to empty the ocean of injustice. And it may seem like I'm not doing anything and it's not effective, but I am still going to plug away with my teaspoon. She calls it working her teaspoon. And then if enough of us use teaspoons, we'll eventually, you know, drain the ocean. And that that was like, I know that what I'm doing is useless, but I have to keep doing it because it's the right thing to do, which is what gives the readers this sense of like, oh, she won't, she'll be appreciated in posterity. You know, like Moby Dick. He couldn't sell that book. Nobody wanted to read it. It's true. And now everybody's heard of it. He died penniless and depressed. Um, so it's kind of like that. It's like, you know, if you really believe somebody is a hero and almost a prophet, then it doesn't matter to you whether the teaspoons are emptying the ocean because what matters is how history views you, you know. And she has these long um, digressions that didn't make it into the piece because they are very long where she talks about um, – so – in in a room of one's own, Virginia Woolf says that there's a future in which, quote, the dead poet who was Shakespeare's sister will put on the body which she has laid down. So it's like Judith dies and then later 
women in the future will come and like put on her body. And that means becoming artists, becoming intellectuals, basically having what we have now where women are able to have the free space to use their minds and influence the world. And um, Melissa called herself um, a descendant of these Judas. And she said, this is a quote, I heard their whispers, their haunting encouragements telling me to put on their bodies laid down and become born. And on October 5th, 2004, I was, that was the day she created her blog. And she says, it is here that I work for the Shakespeare sisters who will come after so that they can put on my body and be born. So, okay, so kind I mean, of, we stand on the shoulders of giants and I, like I will someone someday they will stand on my shoulders. Oh, maybe that's more of a masculine uh, take on the, on the metaphor. I, mean, I don't know, but it's pretty freaking intense. <laughs> Literally a descendant of past intellectual women and women in the future will be inspired by me personally and take up the mantle that I have, you know, finally ex- exhaustedly, you know, shuffled off this is like very a lot um like i just can't even imagine talking about myself like that like as as far up my own ass as i've ever gotten in my life uh i don't think i've reached that yet it's like isn't it it's just so fascinating i just fucking love yeah well it. i mean it's it's kind of like you know if i had started a blog in 2004 and within a couple of years there was like i was getting 14,000 hits whatever that meant and also there were like hundreds of people commenting and talking about how great i was that I might start thinking, hey, I'm pretty freaking great because <laughs> look at this thing that I built. And so I think it's kind of a two-way, like, it doesn't seem like she came in as, like, I, I, I was thinking a little bit reading this of, of the um, uh, Wild Wild Country, that documentary on Netflix about the um, Rajneesh. Oh so obsessed with weird cult shit. <laughs> yes, the Rajneesh cult. And so, like, you know, he, like, um, the uh, Rajneesh himself seemed like he, you know, wanted to do this going in and like start, you know, start a community center around him. And, and whereas McEwen doesn't quite seem like um, she entered that way, but maybe just the, you know, the situational factors of, it wasn't an eponymous blog, but she named it. And, um, and then, yeah, there's just, you know, there's people volunteering to uh, be her contributors and moderators and so forth. You know, like one would, one would come to think that one is a pretty special person and I guess start acting that way. But, but, it, but it also kind of mixed with this, like, I mean, PC or some other kind of like language policing stuff where it's like, oh, you like, you can't talk about that subject. You said the wrong word and either you correct yourself certain, or you're, you're out on your ass kind of thing. Or you can't talk about certain subjects at certain times. So like if, if somebody had posted, if she had posted about, you know, a, a fat fashion thread, for example, about like, here's the kind of clothes you can wear if you're, you know, a larger woman and somebody had jumped in and started talking about, uh, recipes or something. It would be like, oh, no, no, that's not what this thread is about. This is the fat fashion thread. You know, like there are, that's an acceptable topic for later, but not right now. Like okay. everything okay. needs to be, you know, there's sort of like, um, like she, it's it's the it's the policing and there's this idea of like in the, the mods would say especially like Paul the Spud he would say like you know you, you need to police yourselves like we shouldn't have to jump in here and tell you what this thread is for you should know that you have to follow the topic of of the thread and that means don't disagree or they would always say oh no you could disagree with us it's totally fine but then there was never a way to disagree with them properly and honestly that's an important thing to think about like when we do that like okay I'm a teacher. Um, and I, sometimes you catch yourself when you're teaching, telling students like, oh yeah, you know, you know, ask me whatever, email me if you need help. And then they do. And you're like, oh, 
like this. And it's like, well, I, I told them to ask, you know, like it's so easy to get that sense of like, I important professor person should not be contacted unless things are very important. It's like, what the fuck? Like, nobody cares. Like you're not important. Somebody needs help. You know, what are they supposed to do? It, and that's, that's a thing to, a good thing to catch in yourself that if you are a mod, then you, you feel that sense of power and that you don't have to, to catch yourself being unforgiving of people and being a hypocrite, you know, um, you can, you can talk total shit and say like, Oh yeah, we love disagreement here. We're a community of people having a great conversation, you know? And then when somebody is like, well, I'm a lawyer and that's not how it works. Be like, this isn't an appropriate time to bring that up. <laughs> like how many of us have not behaved that way? I've totally acted like that. Um, especially online. Uh, there's another post of hers from 2013 called Futures Formidable and Vast. It's actually in her sidebar. There's only one post aside from the comment uh, policy that's linked in her sidebar, and it's called Futures Formidable and Vast. And it's about her dreams, about um, about a world of justice where girls are safe and women are valued and humanity is, you know, all this stuff. Um you know, where you can expect more out of people and more meaning it kind of means whatever you want it to mean. Basically, like you don't have to make compromises about your values. Um, in my dreams, I do not fly. I float. I float in a cool sea of collective fulfillment here, cradled in the embrace of these sparkling reverberant waves. I realize this true thing. Contentment is better than joy. It's just like this. It's just it's just amazing to me. Like, I just this, love this, that actually does seem like something that uh, Rajneesh, uh, Sri Rajneesh himself would would, would have said. Religious, right? Yeah. Especially from a group of atheists. And I'm mostly <laughs> are not religious. And I don't, I don't find the blog terribly friendly to religion, which is fine. I don't care. But, um, yeah, it's got a sense of, of religious in terms, a religious sense in terms of, um, of this belief that whatever you believe is justice will be made real at some point in the future. You just have to wait for it and believe in it. And what you believe is justice is the way history is going to turn out because, you know, the arc of the moral arc of the universe bends toward justice and justice is what I say it is, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and you, you know that she compares herself to Martin Luther King and uh, at some point and another <laughs> thing she wrote. So I, I so I want to um, take maybe just a, a kind of a, a brief side detour into like my experience with, with comic communities and such. Um, like very early on in the internet, I was like the main things I did on like America online uh, were a message board devoted to the X-Men and later a, a cuz you're I think we're the same age are you 36? Yes, I'm 36. Okay. Okay, so you were like So this would have like, been 1995-ish. Okay. Yeah, that's when I used AOL. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um so that was what I did on AOL and I actually um you know, it, it kind of it did become like a kind of, you know, actual community. It was mostly people who were teenage, late teenage years, maybe a couple people who were in college, you know, it was just early adopters of AOL who liked X-Men. Um, and so I was into that. I, I, as I recall, there were no mods and it, I don't know, it was such an early era of, for message boards. I feel like there wasn't even the need for mods because like who, you know, like who would even think to like, you know, start trouble back then or something, but maybe that's, maybe that's not accurate. But then I also spent time on a Usenet forum that was devoted to uh, Transformers, my other childhood uh, devotion. And oh my God the nerdiest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and that was, 
and that was I, I I don't even there must have been someone who was in charge of it somehow. But like Usenet was kind of decentralized, and so there wasn't the ability for someone to be in charge or to some for someone to be a mob. But there must have been some way to remove posts or something because yeah, I, I, people would get nastier on that one. Um, but those were both yeah. So they weren't so like one was just an AOL message board, one was a Usenet news group, and no no one seemingly was in charge. And so it was just like, you know, status would come from being really knowing a lot about Transformers lore or having a really good Transformers collection. They're like, those would be the people with the, with the status. And it wasn't like, you know, the people who were, or who wrote a funny post or like wrote a fan fiction or something. Um, and then, you know, getting more into like the, like, I don't know, the middle ages of, of comment sections. Like I, I didn't do it for a while when I was in college, but then I got this job at blogging heads. And so then I was, I was the mod, like literally, but, oh, but, yeah. but also, um, you know, the site itself was encouraging people from right and left to have, uh, to come together and have, uh, a dialogue in a respectful way. And so that kind of did work out largely, um, of, there weren't like awful flame roars and stuff and not that many people got banned or post deleted, but like it did happen sometimes, but also like the, you know, there were people who would, um, yeah, I think, I think there's just this like natural law of like small groups that the, the people who are like really, really energized, and do the most, you know, just kind of can assume some level of power. And there was a guy who uh, had like twice as many posts as anyone else. You know, he had like 12,000 posts, whereas the next, uh, the next uh, one would have been like 6,000. And he was, uh, he was very annoying. And we, we had internal discussions at <laughs> the company about whether we should ban him or what to do. Cause he might like freak out or something. Eventually he left on his own accord and uh, maybe he's watching still, I don't know. Maybe he's gone on to better things. But yeah, yeah, that was kind of like, you know, it, w- it was more like the respect and the pecking order came from the ability to like dominate the conversation through frequency of posting and posting long, long posts and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a little bit different because it wasn't a, it, people weren't united around one figure or one ideology. And certainly they did not show, um, you know, a lot of respect to the people who were appearing on, on blogging heads as the guests. And the hosts, and they continue to, that prior tradition today of, you know, um, telling us how much we suck and, and so forth. But, but also it's just like, uh, I mean, things just in like the late period of commenting, like it really kind of, it, it does seem like it, it's the diehards who are still staying there because if you wanted like a more dynamic, um, place to sound off, then you would go to Twitter. And if you just wanted to like talk to people you actually know in real life, you would go to Facebook or something. And or you like, could you could go to Reddit, you know, and depending Reddit, on yes, the Reddit as well. you went to, you could go into the, the the wild west of Reddit, or you could go into a smaller sub. Where, but even in the smaller subs, you you never know who's going to come in there and say crazy shit, you know. So Shakespeare is a safe place to be because, and that's what they say, it's a safe space because if trolls come in there, obvious trolls, they get banned so fast. Um, and every once in a while, the mods will leave up a comment. They'll be like, I'm leaving this comment just so you can see all the things that the kinds of things we have to delete here. Um, so that they, they can feel that they, the commentariat, as they call it, will appreciate, right. you know, here's what to do for you. So this doesn't become, so that this doesn't become advice animals on Reddit, you know? Yeah. That's um, like leaving, you know, the head on the spike of, of the tower so that you can see, totally. you know, see evidence of, uh, what, you know, the awful criminals. But, but yeah, I, I think it, you made me think about, oh, sorry, you made me think about when you were talking about, uh, like being on a Transformers Usenet and stuff. Like in, I want to say it was right before I met my husband. So it was like 2007 and I dated a guy who worked for, um, he worked for a company that made World of Warcraft, like the card trading game, mm-hmm. I guess there's cards. 
that it's like a card game, like Pokemon yeah, cards yeah. But for, or like Magic the Gathering, but for World of Warcraft. Anyway, he played World of Warcraft all the time because of his job and, um, and because obviously, you know, cause you get addicted to it. And, um, he was on his little channel, you know, the headphones. And at one point, like I, I picked it up and I was like, Hey, can I talk into this? And he's like, yeah. So I got on there and I was like, Hey, you know, it's like talking to his, like guild or whatever uh-huh. and uh-huh. it was so funny it was like the, it was like the 90s like you know i remember like when there were no girls on the internet that was that sort of thing it was like all these guys were like oh whoa there's a girl on here <laughs> you couldn't even see me it was just a female voice uh-huh. it was so uh-huh. funny um and it was like this is why this is why there were no girls on the internet because it was that whole like tits or gtfo thing like and this was like i would never have even if i was really into the transformers i couldn't have gone into that sub because it would have been weird and um and you know then that was one of the things that the blogosphere did for women was and that was why feminist blogs became you know maybe things got a little bit strident because it was women being able to be women on the internet and being able to make our own rules. And I mean, even to this day, like if you go on Reddit, the troll X chromosome website, which I haven't been on in a while, but like we know where it says like how many um, subscribers there are to it. It's like, you know, this many number of girls on the internet. It's that whole like, you know, reference to this nineties, late nineties idea um, that anyone who says they're a girl is either a guy or an FBI agent. Um <laughs> Uh, cause why would girls be here doing nerdy things, enjoying these things? Uh-huh. But with the biosphere, it's like women could be nerdy and political and feminist and learn about feminism, um, and talk about, about male power and about what relationships should look like. And, um, that, you know, that changed a lot of my thinking. That was, it was cool. You know, I didn't have anybody in my life that was talking like that at the time. Um, and I think Melissa did that for a lot of people, even if they later decided that they didn't like all the rules and the self-aggrandizement um, and the uh, and all the various. Oh, we talked about the incidents, the various incidents, like the left tit incident. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what? Is, yeah. You mentioned this and I was instantly intrigued. So what is the left tit incident? The left hit incident is when uh, one of the contributors, Diki, posted a picture of Melissa at her science fair in like third grade. And she's just sitting there with like this little science experiment she did or had nature experiment. And she's got some sort of like ruffle on her blouse because it was, you know, the 80s. And he just makes a joke for like, about, like, what is that thing on your left hit? She's just making like a throwaway joke about her tacky blouse. And a couple of the commenters are like, whoa, like she's nine years old in that picture. That sort of squicks me out that you would use the word tit in reference to a child and Melissa and Diki get really mad at them. And they're like, I don't understand. First of all, they're like, I don't understand what you mean. How is that weird? It's just, he's just using a word that describes my body. And the commenters are so confused because like, isn't this normally the thing we get mad about at Shakespeare? Like, this is normally the thing that you do. Like, and this is what I would do when I wrote there. It was like, you'd find somebody saying tit and then you'd be like, I can't believe you're saying that in this context. And then everyone laughs and then you Go home. You know, it's just like, that's just what blogging was. Um, if you go to Wonkat, that's like still the shit they're doing now. Uh-huh. And like, so they're, they're so confused, but like, I thought we were doing the thing where we say that it's, things are sexist and now you're telling me that it doesn't work here. And it's like, oh no, we've changed the rules for this entire, this post. This is a post that's a joke about Melissa's science experiment. And you are trying to make this a criticism of a man's language about a young girl's body. That's not what this is. You didn't, you're not reading in good faith. You're taking Deke in bad faith. Uh-huh. And I love watching this happen. Because, 
you have moved the goalposts and these people can't keep up and they want to so badly. They want to please you. They thought they were doing the good thing. They thought they were calling him up. You're not allowed to call Zeke out. He's, he's one of the mods. Um, so that's the left hit incident. So was it, was it just that in the sense it was like the cool kids and then one of the cool kids, you know, like where, where's his hair in a certain way at school one day and then everyone's ready to like make fun of him for his stupid hair. But then like the queen bee is like, Oh no, that, like, I like that hair. And then someone's like, Oh yeah, the hair is great. Is it, is it essentially just that? Yeah. The rules don't apply. Or like in Mean Girls when she's like, you can't sit with us because you're wearing, you know, whatever. Or you're, you know, and, and she's like, and Regina's, oh no, she's like, you can't sit with us. You're wearing sweatpants. And Regina's like, oh, those rules aren't real. And Karen's like, they were real that time I wore a vest. And it's like, no, I'm <laughs> Regina. They don't, the rules don't apply to me, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, there was also the cherry leaf incident, which is where they post, someone posted a picture of cherry leaves. The The post was about like, beautiful cherry leaves i don't know and then a commenter was like oh my god don't even talk to me about cherry leaves my yard is filled with them and i hate having to rake them like very throwaway you know like sort of just sharing your everyday life Uh and (laughs) melissa quotes it and it's like don't tell people what not to talk about that is silencing and everyone is allowed to express themselves it's like Sort of became common um, to share on the tum- the anti Shakespeare tumblers. Oh yeah, so mention, let's mention that that, that there was um, a, more, one or more than one Tumblr devoted to, from like people who had left the community. And- there were a bunch of them. They're all um, dunk- defunct or deleted now, except for Shaker Kool Aid or Drink the Shaker Kool Aid, which is still active. Mm-hmm. I mean, active in terms of like it's still up. You can look at it. Um, I got a lot of really great info from that because people went straight there after they would get banned or flamed out and they would write these long emotional posts about you know I grew up in a small town and I had never um, heard liberal thought before and I was never allowed to be gay and I was never allowed to express myself or be genderqueer and then I found this blog and people were accepting of me and they also liked you know Devo and uh, they, and you know and but then I said the wrong thing and they screamed at me and now I'm scared and sad and it was like very emotional people with real trauma in their background people who felt alienated um, I never felt that way in life really and um what I did, it was not nearly to that extent. And so I didn't have that strong emotional connection to it. But for a lot of people, I mean, especially I also didn't grow up in a small town. And I had a lot of people tell me that that was a, a big part of their connection to the blog. I mean, like, that's what the Internet can do for you, right? Mm-hmm. You can be physically isolated, but no longer emotionally or intellectually isolated. Um, and to feel that sense that you've been kicked out or that you've you've done something wrong, um, can, you know, it seems from what I've read, it seems really harmful for people or disappointing. Um, so I thought that was interesting too, that other people could have this very different experience of the blog that I did, because a lot of my friends that I made through blogging and, you know, my brother, my mom read Shakespeare, uh, and then stopped reading around 2009 when it got weird. And it was just sort of became a joke for us. Like sometimes we'd message each other, we'd email each other, you know, posts and be like, Hey, look at the crazy shit she's doing now. Or like I was searching in my email archives and my, my boyfriend at the time was like, you know, emailed me like, you know, Hey, sometimes in the morning when I'm really sleepy and I don't want to go to work, I check Shakespeare cause like the rage fuels me, you know, it wakes me up. Um, so it's like, it just became sort of a joke, but, um, that was because we didn't need it like other people did. Um, and that, 
it's not wrong to need a blog in that way. It's just different. So it's interesting to me that other people would have this strong emotional connection and, and lean on an online community in a way that, um, personally I never did, but I know that's very real for some people. It also can be unhealthy because you're giving those people a lot of power over you and becoming a fanboy or fangirl of anything online, um, or of a celebrity. While that phenomenon is really interesting to me, it also seems like, I mean, have you ever like run afoul of a celebrity's fans online? Um, no, I mean, luckily I haven't. Um, I, I, I guess I don't have strong enough opinions about like Taylor Swift or, um, you know, who are, who are the other like wacko? wacko. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce has a very, very passionate. Yes. Yeah, so a lot um, of pop stars. I mean, you know, it, it's like young, you know, it's like teenage girls, I guess, or, you know, certain people though, like Taylor Swift inspires a loyalty in people. Beyonce inspires a loyalty in people that other pop stars don't necessarily. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, um, like those K-pop fans. Right. Um, it's like a religion to them. That phenomenon is like so fascinating to me because it's like you don't know this person. You've never met them. They don't care about you. If you drop dead tomorrow, it wouldn't register. But they <laughs> represent they represent something very important to you that you feel you need to defend and preserve. And like, where does that come from? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean, there's something that I think there must be something inherent in people that wants to identify with some sort of like distant figure. Maybe, maybe it's a religious figure or a political figure. You know, there's, certainly there's plenty of people who think that Donald Trump is, you know, the bee's knees. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so, but then if you're like a 13 year old and you really like Taylor Swift and you have Twitter, then if someone says something bad about Taylor Swift, you're ready to tell them to go jump well, off a bridge or something. I think that's a normal part of adolescence, you know, figuring out who you're supposed to listen to, you know, like 13 is a good example. Like you're trying to pull away from your parents. You're realizing your parents aren't perfect. You're not, you're trying to attach to other like things and ideas and people and attaching to a celebrity, I think is, is very normal and healthy as long as you detach from that and move on to, you know, but there are people who in their adulthood are still in that adolescent phase of attaching to people who don't care about them and are distant and not real and are multimillionaires. And there's that whole, it becomes a whole, like, are you worshiping their, their power and their money? Like, you know, I know Taylor Swift works for money, but nobody should have that much money. You know, (laughs) there's only a certain amount that I can respect her before I'm like, okay, this is like, I don't like you just because you're rich. <laughs> That's literally yeah. what it is. Um, yeah. And then there's, you know, the, I mean, there's people who participate vicariously in the like various feuds of the stars of, you know, of Taylor versus Kanye or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So, okay. So the Shakespeare is dead now, right? Just, like, mm-hmm. is, it, is this what inspired you to write the piece? The fact that like two weeks ago, she said, um, McEwen said that she's, Closing down and oh not going to post anymore. I wish this piece only took me two weeks. It took <laughs> so much longer than that. No, I decided to write it in like early July um, because she had had a little meltdown on Twitter about a Bernie Sanders tweet. She hates Bernie Sanders and her blog is not friendly to him at all. And she also hates Bernie Sanders' following and they hate her. Yeah. And so uh, it's definitely now, is, one of is the reason that this type of person um, despises Bernie Sanders because Sanders is against identity politics and, and, and sees class as the, as the most important thing above all. 
I think so. Or just the idea that he would think that identity politics is a thing rather than, I mean, doesn't everyone practice identity politics? Right. Um, so, yeah. Well, maybe not Bernie Sanders. I don't know. I mean, you, you, you see, um, you know, the, the like newly resurgent socialist left, you know, would argue that, um, you know, like, uh, identifying yourself primarily through identity categories and not class categories is kind of a false consciousness that impedes the like class solidarity that we need in order to overthrow the, you know, ruling uh, oligarchs. Right. And that's the problem that Melissa and other feminists like her have with it is that um, it, it disappears uh, gender, race, ethnicity, and disabled or abled and sexuality as important categories that people should identify with and, and fight for. So yes, that is exactly why they don't like him. Um, and then after that, it's sort of built upon is just like, when you just decide you don't like somebody, you're going to find a lot of things that are wrong with him. Like, Oh, he yells too much and he's old and all this stuff. Um, and uh, so she tweeted that he, he used the phrase working class people or people of color. And he didn't mean it like there's this is group and this group and they're distinct groups. He was, he didn't mean it that way. I'm sure Bernie Sanders knows that there are plenty of working <laughs> class people who are people of color, you know, um, cause he's not an idiot. Um, and she, t- <laughs> well, that, yeah, well, this, this seems like a bad faith reading, right? Right. <laughs> um, only if you understand what bad faith means. Um, and she tweeted that this is finally proof that he believes that working class people are just white people or white guys, um, that sort of idea. And she got called out by it. Liz Brunig, you know, retweeted it and argued with her and everything. So that made it, that amplified it a lot. And so she, then she ended up deleting it and she tweeted that she said, I'm, I'm deleting this not because I think it was wrong, but just because I'm tired of like, I don't want all this harassment. You guys are annoying me. This is dumb. Um, so that happened and, and people started talking about on Twitter about she Shakespeare. Oh, remember Shakespeare, that cult? Remember how crazy she is? And I was like, wow, like people remember Shakespeare. Yes, it got really <laughs> weird. And I want to talk about this. And I was like, I wonder if people would want to read a whole examination on that phenomenon. And so then I, then I started writing it. But then it was it was done. I'd finished it and it was going through edits. And um, uh, then I checked the blog and saw that she had shut it down. And so then I had to go back and change some stuff. And I think it made the piece better. I think I'm, it was sort of a weird coincidence. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that it improved the way that I was able to like my thought process on reflecting about it. But um, no, I really wish that it had only taken two weeks also because I'm not a full-time writer and I don't have, or a full-time freelancer. So I don't have like a lot of, um, time to concentrate like I could be on Twitter and reading stuff all day because I can sort of like I can be watching my kids and like read something and like rent something and then you know but like the amount of sustained silence thought the room of one's own situation yeah, where you yeah. need sustained silence to get good thoughts out of your head that is at a premium for me um so these things take a really long time like I'm really amazed and sort of envious of people who can just like churn stuff out um but you know, maybe one day. This is not where my life is at right now. <laughs> um, have you? Did you talk to anyone who who was, as of like a month ago, still an active member of the community about what they're gonna like? Are they are they, are they lost at sea? Are they <laughs> what, what's going to happen now? I didn't message any of those people because I didn't want them like. 
I wanted to email Melissa when I was ready and I didn't want them reporting back to her because that's exactly the kind of thing they're told to do is mm-hmm. tell her yeah. if somebody's trying to expose her or talking shit. Um, so I just talked to people who were former contributors. There were several people that I, quite a few people I messaged that never, you know, never responded. Um, I had one guy who used to be a contributor there who said, you know, do not use my name. And he sent me a screenshot of one of Melissa's emails and I, emailed him back for some clarification. He never responded and he seemed afraid that, you know, she was going to find out. And so that's like the kind of thing we're, we're dealing with here. Like I had a con- former contributor and a former mod who went by a like screen name, like a, you know, a blogger name who didn't want me even using that screen name. I had to create a new name for her. Yeah. I believe she's a woman um, because of she was like I'm not ready to you know be out there. She didn't want Melissa in her inbox or even having Melissa know that she had told me these things. So it's like that's where it gets the the feeling of like a cult member who has escaped from you know from from uh, the Rajneeshis or something. Yeah. Like what do you think she's gonna do to you? But I understand emotionally you just don't want that that heat from somebody that you think is powerful. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, it will be yeah, it'll be interesting to see what you know, the the community is coming to an end and what what, what happens mom, what happens mom, to the members. My mom is legit scared that Melissa is going to sue me. She's like, "I don't think you should write this. You should change her name, just make it about someone else." I'm like, "Mom, it doesn't really work that way. It's <laughs> like it's a it's about something specific that happened and she was like, "Oh, I just you need to really be careful." <laughs> I think you'll be okay. I, nothing struck me as libelous <laughs> when I when I read it. I think you'll be okay on that on that front. But let's talk about just very briefly some criticism. So the people who I follow on Twitter, who I saw retweeting or talking about this, were all very uh, laudatory about it. But uh, there are some people I don't follow on Twitter who uh, had some not so nice things to say, and you retweeted one of them. Um, so okay, so first you mentioned something in the article about uh, uh, someone from Cha- one of the hosts of Chapa Trap House. Um, going after um, McEwen in a nasty way at some point, and then he uh, had to apologize, and he made a donation to like a rape crisis center or something along those lines. Am I getting this right? I wouldn't even call it going after her. I think he did what a lot of people do on Twitter multiple times a day, which is quote tweet someone and make a little joke. But he had made that about her tweeting about her rape, like a me too thing and made some joke about like, Oh, she should be wearing a Joker makeup or something. Like, I don't know what it was. It was some dumb thing and it was tasteless and I, it was a bad idea. And um, he got called out for it on, on Reddit. Cause it, I guess the Chapo subreddit is pretty active or something. And yeah. Yeah. Um, he went on there and he said, yeah, you know, he's like, I can't defend that. It was a bad, you know, I shouldn't have done that. It was stupid. And I'm, you know, going to donate to the center for reproductive rights and, you know, this month. And then, you know, that was kind of it. And Melissa tweeted, you know, first of all, why didn't you apologize to me personally? And then second of all, you should give me that money because I'm the one who it costs me money when you harass me because then it gets more people harassing me. And then that takes my time and my time is worth money. Actually, it becomes sort of like an interesting sort of like Marxist situation where like the whole time is money thing, you know, like she really like monetizes. She has this idea of how much her time costs. Um, she does that a lot. It's a way of fundraising. 
there's this part in the bell jar. Do you ever read the bell jar? I, I must confess, Where I did not. She, she talks about how her mother was always reminding her about how much food costs. So she had this feeling that when she was eating, it was like eating a pile of pennies and nickels, you know, uh-huh. to like make her value the food. It's like Melissa's day is all pennies and nickels, you know, and it's like, how much money did this cost me? So she'll tell people like, oh, I work for less than minimum wage. But then she'll say, oh, I stay up for more than 24 hours, multi- modify- modding comments. And it's like, are you amortizing an eight hour work day over 24 hours? Cause if you do that, we're all working for, four dollars an hour right like no matter how good your job is so it's like and you can never really trust what she's saying in that sense um so anyway she was like well harassment costs me money it takes money out of my pocket because the time i could have used to blog my work that i'm getting paid for by donations is now going to fighting off trolls in my inbox that are coming from the chapo guys tweet which who even knows if any of that is true um if who even knows if that tweet created more harassment of her that she had to spend time dealing with um, I only have like 600 Twitter followers, so I don't really know how much time it takes when you get like harassed on Twitter. Um, but for me, I just, you know, can just turn off my phone. Um, yeah, I have- I, yeah. I mean, you can kind of see the logical like line of like, okay, like I'm a free, I work. I mean, she's not a freelance writer. Like, exactly. She was, you know, she needed to well, put that's up more. Exactly what more she would well, she, she was put. she would get, she was getting monthly donations in a pre-Patreon era. And like, so she had to keep things going. And then like time she didn't, spend on the blog, uh, you know, with other nonsense, then that wasn't time. Then maybe she would lose a subscriber or something. You can kind of see the logic, but yeah, like, I mean, just the whole, whenever anyone's like online is like, give me money. Um, (laughs) that's always a great little like episode. It's really tricky. And what Sadie Doyle was one of the people who, who criticized me for this. She said, you know, fuck you for, for, um, she said I was like, I have the quote here. I have the quote here. So, uh, Sadie Doyle, prominent, um, Twitter, you know, uh, progressive woman writer. Uh, well, uh, Sadie Doyle is just like Melissa McEwen. She is a prominent aughts feminist blogger. I mean, she was 2007 Tiger Beatdown. I used to read it. It was great because, like, she was she would rant about you know um, about sexism and in, in, in things that I never even thought of before. I mean, she was influential. And but the thing is, she's like one of those you know the Japanese soldiers on the island. You know, like she's. She's in a time capsule. Yeah, well, she's at least, there's a lot of people who are still fighting the 2016 primary, Democratic primary election, and I think she's one of them. She was very pro-Hillary. Uh, so she wrote, Felix didn't quote make it to his joke. Felix Biederman of Chapo Trap House. Uh, he and his friends laughed at her admission she was raped, called her a whale, said she quote, probably stinks, and Felix mocked her desire to be comforted because she was fat, and you keep him anonymous and stress his heroism. Fuck you, she says. And then let's let's add the comment from Amanda Marcotte, who said, I started to read it, but the desperate desire to be the cool girl on the writer's part made it impossible. There's legit criticisms to be made, but not from someone trying to get in with the hip new Chapo cult, which is just as rigid in policing adherence. OK, a lot of charges there. Cool girl, uh, rape apologist. Uh, what, what, how do you respond? I didn't know about the whale thing and the smelling bad. I didn't see either of those comments. Um, I don't know if they were deleted or what. In my, I have screenshots of the the thing that that Felix said and, and Melissa's response, but I didn't see either of those comments there. Um, that's it's a, would be a gross thing to say. Um, let's see the cool girl thing. That's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, especially after I read Gone Girl. Um, <laughs> I think that that's a very real phenomenon that I loved the way Gillian Flynn crystallized for me. 
Um, I think that I'm a little old and lame to use an ableist term to have that levied against me just because in no conception of the word, am I cool, uh, at all. And, um, I don't even listen to Chapo Trap House. So like I couldn't name, I think I follow them on Twitter. Um, but I couldn't tell you who they are, who's even on the pot. I don't know. Like I don't. It's not something I spend any time thinking about. <laughs> like, I know it's popular, but I don't really see why. I don't listen to podcasts. I, I listen to movie podcasts. Um, so, you know, politics stuff is politics podcasts. are just, just like, why would you do that to yourself after you look at it online all day? Then you're going to sit in your car and like, I just, you know. <laughs> um, so well, you're, insu- you're insulting the very viewers and listeners of this podcast right now who are. Uh... Yes. <laughs> Oh no, I I would listen to this because it's about culture. See, it's it's the politics stuff. It's just it's, it feels like too much pressure. Also, right now, anything about the Democratic primary stresses me out. I'm just like, please just tell me who the candidate is, and I will vote for them. Like, I just can't. It's just it's too much for me right now. Um, so yeah, I don't really get what that what that charge is. Um, but it doesn't bother me. I thought it was kind of, um, like I know everyone always says this, but I thought it was funny. Um. Well, what it made me think of, and, and Amanda Marcotte, um, appeared on Blogging Heads a few times, um, back, oh, yeah? back in the day. Uh, hasn't been in a while. Amanda, if you're listening, uh, we'd be happy to have you back on. Um, you know, it's kind of like no one, like, yeah, no one has motives where they're just like, this is what I think or this is what I want to do. There's always like some secret motive of I'm angling for like a job. I'm trying to impress these people. It's really all about this kind of thing when, you know, most, what? most people are not, are not like at least consciously thinking, like, oh, I'm I'm doing this in order to have these people over here like me. They're just thinking, like, this is what I want to do. And maybe, well, maybe, maybe if that's the unconscious or, or whatever is is saying, like, I want the popular people to like me. Um, I but, just don't – here's why I don't understand. What would impressing a group of podcast guys in New York do for me personally, a teacher from Carlsbad, California? <laughs> like, what, what would I be hoping to get from them? You know, I don't – I don't, I don't understand that. And like the amount of time I spent on this piece, like I'm not a professional reporter. I'm not even a professional writer. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I tried <laughs> really hard on it. I liked, I liked doing it. It was really fun. I loved working with Brandy at the outline. You know, she's a great editor. It was really interesting and educational, but like at the end of the day, if they didn't publish it, I'd just be like, well, that was interesting. You know, like I, I'm not, it took me so freaking long to write this. Like the idea that I was doing all of that work just so like, the Chapo guys would like me is really kind of like, did it seem like something I dashed off in five minutes, Amanda? It's like, I really actually, this took me so much time. (laughs) Um, Like the goal was really only, I want to write something that feels like it means something that was, that was mainly, mainly it. That's, that's for me. Um, Not to be, to be cool. Like if I wanted to be cool, I just take my top off, you know? (laughs) There are uh, definitely ways to get it and yeah, to get it to take a lot less time. I could be a cam girl. I could be like a cam mom. I'm sure there's a market for that. Cam mom. Um, just, just, just you just like showing you like taking care of your children in a normal way. And then there'd be like leering men watching it. You don't think they would? They totally <laughs> would watch that. I could make, I could get weird. I'm just saying like if I wanted attention, I could definitely get attention. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 there's easier ways. Okay, um, so I want to commend the piece uh, to everyone who was listening to this. It has a great last line, which I will not reveal, but I thought when I read it, I was like, oh, that is such a great last line. Oh, thank you. Um, and we've gone over an hour, so why don't we, why don't we end there? Um, so uh, the, the piece will be linked below is on the, in the outline, so people can follow you on Twitter. Um, and what is your, what's your Twitter handle? I think it's just my name, Joanna Mang. <laughs> okay, clearly you're not adept at self-promotion as a writer if you don't even am remember. To, am I supposed to know that off the top <laughs> If you of don't me? even remember what your Twitter handle is. So, so the next... Wait, 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 I'm going to my profile. The next podcast I, you do, you should remember yeah, to have that. It's just Joanna Mang. J-O-A-N-A-M-A-N-G. Uh, it's an unusual name. So... <laughs> um, so, and I, I'm on Twitter at A-R-Y-H-C-W. Um, so, uh, thank you. Thank you, Joanna. Uh, uh, thank you to our viewers and listeners, and we'll see you again next time. Before you go, a quick message from the suits at Blogging Heads TV. Blogging Heads will always be free for you to watch and listen to, and we don't even go the NPR route of guilting you into donating during Pledge Week. But we do have a small request. If you enjoy Blogging Heads programming, rate and review us on iTunes. The iTunes algorithm weighs positive reviews heavily, so taking a few minutes to rate and review us will help more people find out about our shows. Also, of course, we encourage you to subscribe to our Twitter and Facebook feeds. Thank you.